Let's take our Bibles back tonight to the place we were this morning, John chapter 20. We'll go there, and a couple places in John, we'll go to Ephesians and to Philippians. Those are the, the passages tonight. I'm going to preach to you a sermon that I'm really excited about preaching because I need to hear what the Scripture says about it. I need this message. It's a, a message called Peace on Demand. Peace on Demand. Do you remember the, uh, the bottle, what were they called, the, the, the soda dispensing machines? We called them pop machines. Back in, I remember in, uh, as a kid in the 80s, I remember seeing the, the, the machines from way back. And uh, I think these would probably have been from the 70s, perhaps, or maybe, maybe 60s. And they were the kind where you could open up a little door, and the, there were bottles, and the neck of the bottle was pointed towards you. And they would line up in a vertical configuration, and you could get a hold of that bottle, and you, and you, you could pull on that bottle, but you couldn't get the bottle out. You remember that? And uh, that was cruel. That was cruel to a young waif like myself, a penniless lad, wandering in the desert. And you wander, you open that thing up, and it, cool air come out of that thing. And you, could, and you could get a hold of the neck of that thing. <laughs> and I remember, pull, I basically had my feet next to it, you know, pulling as much as I could. And it wouldn't come out, because you had to have money. And, uh, and so, you know, I rarely got it. You know, as a kid, you remember how you feel like you never had any money? And uh, you had more than you probably deserved. But, but uh, I remember thinking, uh, if, I, if I just had a quarter, you know. Now, if, how many remember uh, Joseph Fournier, little boy? Now, now, Joseph Fournier was an enterprising young man. He used to come to this church, and uh, he's no, not a little kid anymore. He's a big kid now. But uh, he used to take one of those Connect cards uh, that right in front of you there. And, uh, and he would take those things, and he would go to the backs of the pews, and he would fish that little thing down in there in the crack. He'd pull up any loose change, amen. He'd go along, and he was diligent, man. He found all kinds of loose change. And, of course, you know what does a kid at Hope Baptist Church do when they have loose change? you got to go to the snack machine. And he would go, and, and he was diligent. I don't know if he tithed on that money or not. But... Uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta get that. And, and I remember having that same craving. And and as a, as an adult now, I don't, I don't reach for pop as often as I used to. I used to think, man, I could just drink this all day, every day. And now it just goes immediately to my gut, and it just sits there for the rest of time until the Lord returns. Uh, so I don't, I don't drink pop as much as I used to. I still like, I still like it. But you know, I, I thought about that as a believer. Sometimes, does it ever feel like peace is locked up? It's right there. I mean, you're a Christian. You're supposed to have it, right? But it's right there, and it's kind of like you can pull on the neck of that thing, and it ain't coming out. Well, I don't know what the magic combination is. I know it's supposed to be free, but I can't get the thing out. It's right there in front of me, and it mocks me because I can't access it. Well, we truly do have peace on demand. They say that back in the 1600s, a story is told of a, a martyr 
who was being led to the chopping block by the executioner, and he was going to be beheaded. But before he knelt down to put his neck on the chopping block, he said to the executioner, before you cut off my head, would you do me a favor? And uh, the executioner said, what, what, what's that? And he said, would you put your hand on my heart? So the executioner obliged, and, and he said, uh, the victim said, if my heart is beating any faster than yours right now, he said, you don't have to believe a word of what I'm saying. And so the executioner felt it, and that martyr's heart was beating a steady, slow beat. And meanwhile, the executioner's heart was going a mile a minute. You see, it is possible to have peace. How do I know that? Well, our text right here tells us this was after the crucifixion. And there's a question of whether Jesus was alive. Verse number 19 of John chapter 20. Some people said he was. People were afraid. The most powerful military in the world had put him to death. But that same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Verse 26, and after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. Peace, three times in a row, he said the same phrase, peace be unto you. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. He has all power. And he says three times to the disciples, Peace be unto you. What does that mean? He's not saying, I wish I could give you peace. That's what what man says to one another. Shalom. May, May you have peace. Jesus is not saying, I wish that you could have peace. He is saying, I am giving you peace. Peace is coming from me to you. So if Jesus gives peace, it is something that can be obtained. It is something that can be enjoyed. Now take your Bibles and go back to John chapter 14. Before Jesus ever left, he prophesied what he was going to do. In many ways, one of the prophecies is about just this thing of peace. 14.25 These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost... Whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Let me ask you a question. The Holy Ghost, another name for the Holy Ghost is what? The Comforter. Is the Holy Ghost Ghost divine? Is the Holy Ghost God? Okay. So the Holy Ghost is God, and his another name for the Holy Ghost is... The Comforter. How well have you received his ministry of comfort? 
The problem is not with the comforter. The problem is with those who need to be comforted. He's God. He's the comforter. So what's the problem? Well, he goes on to say in verse number 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. You remember when the maniac of Gadara asked Jesus if he could go with him? And Jesus said, no, you can't go with me. I want you to stay here and go tell people what I've done for you, right? Jesus is leaving. He's staying. Well, in this case, it's the same thing. Jesus is leaving and we're staying. But he left us something very important. You know how when seniors leave high school and they write in the books, uh, they write something, the last will and testament uh, of, you know, so-and-so. And I'm going to leave with you my quirky sense of humor. I'm going to leave with you my ability to irritate the school secretary. I'm going to leave with whatever it might be. They're leaving, but they leave behind something. And, and if, there is, if there is something that Jesus wanted us to have, I, I don't think it's because Jesus said, all right, all right, okay, I got to go, but all right, I tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'll leave my peace, okay? You can have my peace. Now, this wasn't something that he was, <laughs> he was regrettably or, you know, under duress. He wasn't being convinced to leave it. No, he chose to leave this on purpose because he said, this is going to be something that you need in the future. You're going to need this peace. And you're going to need a special kind of peace. Because of the world in which you live, you're going to need something that is different that you can't buy on Amazon. You can't buy it in the store. Here's what it is. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. It's not the peace that the world gives. What's the peace? The peace the world gives is bath bombs and meditation and a, you know, a fifth of whiskey or maybe you know more. Um, the peace the world gives is, is smoking, drugs. Listen, you, you know, some of you were, were unsaved for a long time. You know how hard it is to be unsaved in this world. It's a miserable existence. You don't have promises to claim. You don't have people who pray for you and love you and visit you in the hospital. You say, well, they don't look miserable to me. Well, then just, just take away their ability to buy the things that they crave and see how happy they are. See, see we, we hide it in different ways. Some people buy boats. Some people buy four-wheelers. Some people go on vacations. Some people you know, live on Etsy. Some people, they, they, they are always buying different little things. Some people consume substances, right? Some people eat to comfort themselves. That's, that's the world's peace. That's how they calm down. Man, you ever, like here in Toledo, it's all about weed, isn't it? Wherever you drive in, in, the, in, in the city. Why? People are looking to chill out. Why? Because it's a war zone. It's a spiritual war zone out there. And, and, and that's, that's, that's the spiritual side. Imagine, your, your family is split a hundred ways. Your mom hates your dad. Your dad tried to kill your mom. 
You've got siblings who you don't even know hardly. There's all kinds of reasons to, to, to seek for some kind of peace. And you say, well, it's their fault. Oh, come on. Have a heart. Have a heart, would you? Aren't you seeking some peace yourself for the struggles that you're going through? Would you want somebody to walk up and say, come on, man up. Well, there's a time to man up. I get that. I get that. But you know, sometimes manning up is a way to cover up for your lack of peace. You see, there's a a desire in every human heart. I mean, teens, think about this. If you're not careful, you you will put... You, you will feel that you need something that you don't really need. It, uh, social media has a way of, of doing that to you. I remember one time when I was, a, when I, was a, I don't know, 11, 11 years old, 12 years old, I got on this kick of listening to bluegrass music. And, uh, and I liked, you know, secular bluegrass music. And, it, it, you know, there's some, that's some pretty good guys, but it's basically, you know, country music without electric guitar and country music without drums. It's very similar, a lot of the similar themes and everything. And, and, and I, as you got into that, I started sensing this, this, like it was weighing me down. This music was like weighing me down. I'm feeling like this angst, you know, because I'm thinking these songs about this. The, she left me. She left me. She ain't here now. She was here, but, you know, she took off. Greyhound's got another customer. She gone. And I'm just kind of feeling like, oh, man, where did she? And then I, wait a second, wait a second. She was never here. I'm 11 years old. I never had, I, we were never a thing. What, what happened? You know what? Music lies to you. You got to be careful of that. Listen, don't, don't go out there and, and search for drama so that you can live. Be thankful that you don't have any major real drama in your life. If you have drama, then that's enough. You need to go search for more drama. Amen. Listen, if if you're bored, if you're bored and you have to watch, you know, soap operas. I guess and nobody does that as much anymore. Uh, Netflix binges, you know, Hulu, whatever it is, and, and you're like seeking for that. You need to get out in the real world and get some real drama. You know, and you get home, and uh, you just want to go to sleep. Amen. Let's go to sleep. See, we, the world is looking for things, and, and believers, we we're looking for things to to soothe our conscience. Now, there's one thing that used to bother you before you were saved, and it doesn't bother you anymore. And that is the question of whether or not you're okay with God. As far as your eternity is concerned, that's a really big one. And we're going to take our Bibles, but before we go there, I want, you to, I want you to see verse 27, where the last phrase where he said, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't let it. Don't let... You ever have... You ever, our little dog tries to get out we sometimes. We say, we, want her out. we don't want her out. Grab her, grab her. Don't let her out. Same thing here. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't, your heart wants to be troubled. It is looking for things to worry about. Don't let it. All right. Now, what would be the things that it worries about? Well, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Why would your heart be troubled and afraid? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked, 
according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. There's a reason to have no peace. There's a reason for your heart to be troubled and afraid. The prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom, among the children of disobedience, uh, also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh. There's the second reason that our heart is troubled and afraid. The lust of our flesh, that's our enemy. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and whereby nature the children of wrath, even as others. And by the way, there's our third enemy. The children of wrath. There are children who have earned the wrath of God. God is the enemy of the unsaved. That's three big reasons to have no peace. The world, the flesh, and the devil. But watch. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Did you notice? Quickened us together with Christ. Spiritually speaking, I am as resurrected as Jesus Christ. That's amazing. I have the same resurrection as Jesus Christ did. Verse number 8, he said, By grace you are saved, in verse 5. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Remember Jesus said, my peace give I unto you. I am giving you my peace. I'm giving you my peace. You ever see a little gift out there for the ladies in the foyer, and it just keeps sitting out there and sitting out there? And you ever have a thought saying, I wish someone would give me a gift? I wouldn't leave it sitting there, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> How can people be so ungrateful to not take the gift? Can you imagine buying a bunch of gifts for your kids and they don't want to open them up? Jesus said, I am giving you the gift of the grace of God. I am giving you peace with God. And if you don't take it, what's wrong with your head? Take the gift. That's the gift of salvation. And, and, and he says, it's by grace through faith. So what does that mean? Believers are entitled to peace with God. He says in verse 4, for he is our peace. I'm sorry, verse 14. Verse 14, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. He paid for our rebellion against God with his own body. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, all the commandments we broke, he paid for them for, to make in himself of twain one new man, Gentile and Jew, one new man. That's why you must be born again. He is desiring to make a new man, born into the family of God. So making peace. Who made the peace? He made the peace. He is our peace. He made peace. Verse 16, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. He's, that's what peace is. That is. That's not a stony silence where dad turns around and says, hey, hey, stop it. No, that's, that's called uh, power and fear. Now, there's quiet in the house, in the car. Thank God for it. It's nice to have, I remember growing up, every now and then, it, the noise and the, the hubbub and all that keep going louder and louder. And all of a sudden, Dad would, all of a sudden, he'd say, cease! <laughs> that was a great word. 
So everybody's frozen. It wasn't peace. It, it was like a cold war. Like the moment dad turns his back, I am at you, right? But here he's talking about, you know, who, you know who paid for this? You know who was punished to make it peaceful? Jesus was punished. He allowed himself to be punished so that there could be more than just a cold war so that we could like God, God could like us, and we could like one another. That's amazing peace. And by the way, that's why he said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have loved one for another. Because only God's peace can make believers love one another. Look past all the stuff. I know we didn't graduate from the same high school the same year. I guess if we had, we would not be at peace. We don't all think and do and feel the same way, but we can, in Christ, we can experience peace. You can like people that you don't like in Christ. It's amazing. And he said he, he did it, and he reconciled us. So he is our peace. He made peace, and then verse 17, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. People think, you know, Preachers are hard, hard. No, you know what he said? He said, they, Jesus came and said, you need to be at peace with God. God's not angry with you. He punished his son for your sin. You can fellowship with God. What a blessed, what a blessed message to know that God is at peace with me. And he paid for it all. So believers are entitled to peace with God. And I don't know about, I don't know about you, but but, but there comes a point in your Christian life where if you stay in the word and you follow him, there will come a point where you no longer worry about whether or not you're going to heaven when you die. I'm not saying that, that, that you wonder if you're saved, that, that you don't know that you were saved. You know there was a time, but even though you know there was a time when you called on Christ for salvation, you can still have a lack of peace about that. Some people struggle for years. Because they think, well, did I do it right? Did I go down front and did I, I didn't confess all my sins? And, and I, I, I didn't say, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't repent. I, I didn't, maybe I didn't believe. I, I, didn't, I didn't have enough guilt over my, all these things. And it can, the devil can keep that carrot out in front of you for years and years and years and years. When you realize that Jesus is the one that paid for the peace, Jesus is offering peace to you, you can rest in the assurance of who he is, not who you are. You can actually be happy as a believer, knowing that when you die, you will be with him. Jesus said, where I am there, you may be also. I want you to be with me. I paid for it. You can relax. So believers, when you stay with the Lord long enough, there comes a point where you get that one down. The problem is the next thing. See, eternity, peace with God and eternity, that one is covered for many believers. But it's what happens before I get to heaven. That's where I struggle. Because I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about whether or not God is trustworthy. Whether or not God's going to hold his end of the bargain up. I'm worried about other people and what they're going to do. I'm not worried about God being in charge. I'm worried about man being in charge and how this world is kind of falling apart and how my body's falling apart and my finances are falling apart. Let's take our Bibles and go to Philippians chapter 4. Because not only are believers entitled to peace with God in eternity, and of course we understand that includes right now, believers are entitled to peace in their daily lives. 
You are entitled to peace. You don't have to go by the, the, uh, the pop machine and wish that you could get something out. He paid for that peace, and you can get it out any time you want. And peace is not like pop. Peace is good for you. No side effects. It's not going to make your gut bigger. It's not going to drag you down and give you that sugar rush and then the crash. Peace is good. It's, it's godly. It's divine. It comes from outside this world. Philippians chapter 4. He says in verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. These steps, this, these steps right here are a recipe. The recipe does not start in verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts. Believer, be honest. Have you felt like your heart and mind has been kept in the peace of God and you're amazed by it? Now, if you're like me, you can say yes and no. Because there's days that I definitely feel like God is keeping my heart and mind. And there's some days where I think, I know God can do everything, but I think maybe he lost my mind because I don't know where it is. I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't have peace. My heart is afraid. What's going to happen? What's the next shoe? I'm like, how many shoes are there? The second shoe already fell. Right? And you worry about this and you fear. And you have anxiety, you have depression, you have whatever it is, despair even. Why? He promised that the peace of God would keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So what's the problem, Christian? What's going on? Well, here, here's, the, here's the reality. He doesn't start in verse 7. He starts in verse number 6. Those steps right there are a recipe for peace. You have to follow them point by point. You can't say, well, you know, I was going to make cookies, but we don't have any eggs. So we just quit the recipe. Well, if you're going to make cookies, you're going to have to have eggs, right? Most of the, most, I know ladies are thinking of the exception, most of the cookies... Right? You're going to have to have some type of egg that's going to get thrown in there. So the recipe calls for it. If you want cookies, you better have the things that are supposed to go in the recipe. Otherwise, you're up the creek without a ladder, as they used to say. Saved people lose their minds all the time, don't they? Saved people pitch little temper tantrums. Saved people have nervous breakdowns. Saved people act just, some saved, some saved people wish that they could smoke. And they know they don't, they gave it up. So they can't do that. Can't drink anymore. But sometimes a saved person, why? The old nature of a saved person is the same as the old nature as a lost person. Except it just hasn't been able to get everything at once all the time like it used to. It's the same old nature. And you have that desire. And you ever find yourself going through a day say, saying, man, look at those lost people. They, they sure seem a lot happier than I am. Could it, very, could it be that they are? Because they have deadened their senses. 
They actually have some of the world's peace and they're chill right now because they're following the prescription that the world gives. Take this, buy this, do that, and you can have some peace. And it's like, I'd rather have that than nothing. You're not following the recipe. You got to follow the recipe. Let's look at it. Here's the recipe for peace. Number one, be careful for nothing. What, what, what is a word for care? What's a synonym for care? Say it, someone, say, some, say it loud. Worry. What's another one? What is it? Concern. You, are, you, you care about it. Now, in our, in our vernacular, we think care is a good thing. God says care is not a good thing. Don't be full of care for anything. Okay? So what should you do with your worry? Number one, give God all your worry. Give God all your worry. What should I do with worry? Stop it. Stop worrying. Well, it's easy for you to say, no, no, don't make excuses. Stop worrying. Give God all your worry. 1 Peter 5, 7 says what? Casting how much of your care upon him? All of your care upon him. So if I cast all my care on God, how much do I have left for me to worry about? Depends on if I go back to God and take it from him or not, right? You don't have any cares or any worry if you are giving it to God. Well, who's going to take care of all this? You can't just, you know, be an idiot. You can't bury your head in the sand like an ostrich, even though ostriches don't do that. You, 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 you can't be foolish. Okay, let me, let me, the first part of the verse, casting all your care upon him for, what's the last, rest of it? He careth for you. I know God cares for me, and I'm so thankful for his care. Hold on a second. This is not a bicycle built for two. This is not synchronized swimming, where I care and God cares. Casting all your care upon him. So who's doing the caring? God's doing the caring. I'm not comfortable with God caring for this. I need to reserve a little bit of worry for myself because you know how well I've done with my life. I've done so well with all my concerns and I always seem to just hit it right on the money. I always am able to calm myself down and I'm always able to bring a resolution to thorny problems. (laughs) We, We know we're not that great at solving problems that we have. And yet we persist in worrying. The Lord said, Cast all your care upon him. Be careful for nothing. This is harder than it looks, isn't it? (laughs) It's harder to not care at all when that's all I want to do is care. Cast it all. No, no, this this is not, you know, (laughs) I don't know if you're like me, sometimes spring cleaning. My wife is very concerned about these things. Because if she ever gets on that thing, we need to get this area cleaned out. I'm throwing it all. Pitch it out. That's a perfectly good sofa. It doesn't matter. Throw it on the burn pile. Get rid of it. It's taking up space. We've had it long enough. Amen? Sorry. Forgive me. <laughs> it, was, it, was December, it was winter cleaning. It was winter cleaning. Well, get rid of everything, right? But no, no, no. We've got to hold on to this. We've got to make sure we preserve this. We've got to hold. No, we gotta, no, the Lord says cast it all. Get rid of it all. All of your care. All right, why? He's the one that's doing the care. So I'm supposed to give God all my worry. That's number one. That's easier said than done, isn't it? But you say, I tried that and it doesn't work. 
no, no, no. You tried the first part of the recipe. The first part of the recipe is give God all your worry. If you're not ready to do that, you're not going to have peace. This is the recipe for peace that passeth understanding. You have to be willing to give it to God. And if you're not willing, you're not going to have peace. Well, I'll give it to God if he tells me how it's all going to work out. How many have ever been able to bargain with God and negotiate so he would tell you exactly how it was going to happen? Anybody? <laughs> how many have ever said, there, there's a point in my life where I wanted yes or no. I was tired of waiting. I was tired of trying to, you know, be patient. I wanted yes or no. That was, I, I remember very distinctly a time in my life when I was, uh, I was actually trying to determine whether I was going to get married to Jess. I, I wanted yes or no. I didn't want to wait. I didn't want to have extra time. It's a very, very, very frustrating time. Okay? So what do I have to do? I have to start with this willingness. God, this is your call, what you do with this. I'm not going to relish this and hold on to this for the rest of my life. I'm not going to demand my right to worry. I'm giving it to you, casting all your care upon him. Be careful for nothing. Number two, here's the second part of the recipe. Now listen, guys, this is... um, this probably sounds like self-aggrandizement. This is not just a message. This is actually a recipe for your peace this week, according to God. If you have worry, like I do, I'm preaching to myself, this is how you handle your problems. This is how you handle your worry. This is not just, and listen, don't whine and complain that nobody cares and understands when God is giving you a recipe right here to have peace. All right, so this, you know, just keep that in mind. The devil says God doesn't care. And this verse, these verses right here say that's not true. God does care, and he gave you a recipe. You're not worried about whether you're going to go to heaven. You're just worried about whether or not you're going to make it through this coming week. Isn't there a little disparity there? You're just worried about this major problem in your life. If God can handle your salvation for eternity, don't you think he can handle this? Here's the thing. He does not let you touch your salvation because you'll mess it up. Keep your filthy hands off of what my son did for you. You accept it. You believe it by faith. But when it, when it comes to your peace throughout the week, on a regular, normal basis, we have a major responsibility. God is not going... And see, that's what we're looking for. Some substance, some experience, some vacation, something that's going to magically make us at peace. And we're not following recipe. Here's the recipe. Number one, give God all your worry. Number two, take the problem to God in prayer. Did you notice there in Philippians chapter four, he said, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, notice verse number five, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that God is keeping a record. God is going to hold us accountable. Yes, but it also means the Lord is right there. Don't be afraid. Don't be full of worry and care. Cast your care on him and pray. He's standing right there. Pray. Take the problem to God in prayer. You know, Joseph Scrivener, after losing his fiance on the eve of his wedding, wrote this song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All Our Sins and Griefs to Bear. And he says in the next verse, he said, Uh, Or later in the next line, he said, oh, what peace we often 
forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? Because we we're living for the weekend. Because we got to get out of this job. Because we got to get out of this relationship. Because we got to get to a new place of peace where I can be happy. No, no, no. What pain we needlessly bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I would, I would bet, if I were a betting man, I would bet that the thing that you worry about the most, you don't even pray about. Isn't that weird? You can be so full of angst, but just not burdened down enough to pray about it. Isn't it true that when you're at your lowest point in your life, God came through the biggest? Well, what if you weren't at your lowest point? What if you were just at a low, low place? You think God would still come through for you? Oh, no, no, I got that covered. Lord, anything from like, if it's DEFCON 5 where I'm really, really bad, I'm going to call you up and thank you for being there. God could get you before you ever entered the danger zone. The little problems, right? Put, you got to put it out there to God in prayer. If you're saved, your eternal destination is, is settled. You have a right to peace. But when family problems come up, bad medical report, financial setbacks, church drama, what happens? Our first reaction is to get in the flesh. I'll tell you what ought to be done. I'll, I'll tell you. We act like there's not even a God. It's almost like God, you know, you cover the big stuff, eternal stuff. But when it comes to people stuff, I know how I roll. I know how I think. I know, you know, I'll tell you what, it's the government. Or as they say down south, the government. G-U-M-M-I-T, the government. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it is. It's that woman. That woman. Jezebel is what she is. If it wasn't for that one guy, my boss, oh my soul. That, that man... He is a slave driver. He's a dictator. He is a hard man. Right? We know how to deal with people, don't we? You live with angst. You live with anxiety. Why? Because instead of taking things to God in prayer, you just take control of the helm. I've got the con, God. Right? And because of that, the peace that we have about our eternal state can cover eternity for eons and eons doesn't even affect how I think and feel on a regular basis. Isn't that unbelievable? So what do you do? You got to take the problem to God in prayer. So you give God all your worry. So let's say you have a, let's say you have a car problem. And your car, so I'm worried about, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen next? I'm not going to, I'm going to lose my job. Okay, your car is not working. So stop extrapolating out. Take all of your worry about your car and say, God, I'm not going to worry about my car. Well, then are you just going to sit around? No, that's the first part of the recipe. I'm not worried about my car. I'm going to go to God in prayer, and I'm going to say this. God, I've got a problem with my car. And he's going to say, oh, really? You know, God knows everything that's going on, and what do we do? We don't care whether he knows it or not. If he knows it, it's not because we told him. We're doing our own thing down here. So my car's got a problem. God, my car's got a problem. My car's got a problem. Lord, this is, this is really bugging me. And I'm worried about it because I, I don't know what's going to happen. Lord said, you're worried. I'm sorry, you're worried. Let me handle that. You've got to communicate with God. 
You ever gotten in trouble in your marriage because you didn't communicate? I'm just asking for some communication, right? Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. That's all God's asking for is some communication. See, we get this, we have this Calvinist idea of God in our mind that says, well, God already knows, so why should I pray? Well, how about this? Try that on your spouse next time. Well, I figured you already knew. You see, God does know, but he still wants to hear from you. He has chosen to work with you by means of communication. You're not a robot to God. He doesn't have a remote control up there saying, watch this. (laughs) He jumps. (laughs) No, he wants to talk with you. He cares about you. So you got to communicate with him. Talk to God in prayer about it. So you got a problem in your life. If you're alive and breathing right now, you take that worry that you have and you give all of it to God and then you start talking to God about it. Number three, he said, with prayer, by prayer and supplication. Supplication is from two words, sup, which is like sub, under, and placation, like placate, to make peace. So it's, it's making peace by getting under. Okay, so what, when, when you're talking about supplication with God, here's the third point. Get low. Get under. Beg humbly. Beg, beggars can't be choosers. Beg God. Not tell God, no, you already gave up your worry. So you're not worried about it anymore. You're just having a conversation with him. And then while you're talking to him, you're getting down and saying, God... I want you to know I'm under this thing. You're above it. Lord, I'm not in control. You're in control. You got to get down. If you don't get down, why? You know, in 1 Peter, where he said, casting all your care upon him, he also said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You know why you have problems in your life? You're proud. You think you know it all. You think you've got it figured out. When's the last time you went to God and said, God, I'm stupid, I'm proud, I think I know, and I don't know. Well, you ought to have more self-respect. No, you shouldn't have respect for someone who lies like you do. You you shouldn't respect somebody who doesn't do what they say they're going to do. You, You shouldn't have respect for somebody who can be so blessed by God and yet still doubt him. You're really going to have that much respect for yourself? How about this? Lord, I'm just going to get down because I know this. You'll be nice to me if I get down. Never forget uh, Ricky Lugo witnessing to the police officers there in uh, Annapolis. We were in that area. And he went over to the cops and he, he went over to him and he, he knelt down and he put his hands behind his back like this and he started talking to him. Now, that's not Ricky Lugo, if you remember Ricky. Ricky Lugo was big, always had a wide stance. He's always talking about stuff really loud. But when he's talking to the police officers, he's got down, put his hands behind his back and knelt down like this and talked to him. And he told me later, he said, that's a, that's a position of submission. He said, they like that. Now, he had cause to know. <laughs> he knew all about the position of submission. But you know, the truth is, Ricky understood more than just when it came to human authorities. He brought that over into his Christian life. He, he, when, God, when God was talking to him, he got in a position of submission. Took his hands off of it and said, God, you're in charge. 
well, I can't believe a God who would say, then you can't believe in this book right here. Because God intends to be in charge. And you're afraid of that. Why? Because you think God is going to act like you would act if you were in charge. Oh, no, no, no. Aren't you glad God is so much better of authority? He's never hurt anybody. Never. Not once. He's never hurt anybody except when he needed to punish them for sins that he had put up with for a long time. That's the only time he hurt them. Anytime he ever brought pain in anyone's life, it was for their betterment or for their judgment. God's a good God. So here's how you deal with God. You get down on your knees and say, God, I don't have to be right. I don't have to. And you know what? Sometimes you'll find out I'm not, I don't have a problem with God. It's people I have a problem with. Oh, okay. So God's not powerful enough to control the people around you. You've got a problem with God. You have a problem with people around you. You have a problem with God. Why? You don't believe God is powerful enough to move those people. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the church. I can't believe in a preacher like that. You don't believe that God could take me out like that. You don't believe it. Now, I hope God doesn't. But listen, I don't have some special thing where I've got some special deal where I'm impervious, I'm immortal. You know what? You ought to, you ought to trust that God can direct me. God can make me do things that I don't even want to do. God can put so much pressure in my life that even though if I have this burning desire and it's not God's will, God can bring hornets like he did in the Old Testament and he's not going to make me do it, but he's sure going to make me want to do it. You've you got a problem with your authority at work? You've got a problem with your parents? You've got a problem with your husband? Here's what you need to pray. God, I believe that you are in control in this scenario. And secondly, I believe that you can see your will done even with that person in charge. So God, I'm going to humble myself. I'm not just going to humble myself to you, God. I'm going to humble myself to the person that you have there in that position of leadership. Well, you got to be careful. See, we run right to that, don't we? You can't let power go to the head. Power is in the head. We have authorities in our lives. And we're deathly afraid that those authorities are going to take that authority and ruin our lives. But remember, even if a human does that, Jesus committed himself to the mob. He, he surrendered himself to those who, who, who punched him in the face. Why? He committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. And he knew he was going to die. But he knew that God could bring him back and was going to bring him back from the dead. You see, what we think is, well, I, I can trust God. God's not the problem. It's this person that's causing me a problem. No, 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 no. If you really trust God, this is good for, for wives and their husbands. Well, I could really follow a husband who was following God. No, you couldn't. How do I know that? Because the one you have right now is the one God wants you to be married to. So what do you do? You say, God, I don't like this. I don't think this is good. I don't think this is right. But I'm going to submit myself. I'm going to submit myself to the leader that God has put in my life. And what you do is you humble yourself. Well, you got to be careful. A husband will take that thing and he'll run. You don't worry about what the husband does. You worry about what you do. 
Are we, is this okay? Is this okay? All right, this is, this is the Bible. Hey, guys, the authority God's put in your life, you don't have to like, you have to follow. And what happens is this. God will allow an irritating boss in your life to prove whether or not you're humble enough. And he'll bring someone in there to make you humble. You ever feel that burning? You ever feel that passion that says, you ain't telling me what to do and I ain't listening to you? That's why unions are formed. You ain't telling me what to do. Now, I understand the unions had a purpose. There's there's a reason. There was some very, very uh, violent people and harsh people. I get that. But we got to be careful that we don't bring that same thing into our lives. That same attitude that says, ain't nobody telling me what to do. I didn't lose you on the union thing, did I? Okay. We've got to be careful. Why? Hey, the Bible says that men gather themselves together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. The more we have with us, the better chance we have at beating God. That's why you know when, when you have a problem with an authority, you know what you do? You go and talk to somebody else about it. Why? You want to get an alliance going. Because it's not just me. Is it just me? It's not me. Is it? I mean, is it, is it that guy? And now we got two. What's he going to do with that? Just be careful. Be careful. Why? You're going to bump into God's authority somewhere in your life. Doesn't matter where you go. If you're going to follow God's recipe for peace, you're going to have to get low. Get low. And if you're worried about whether or not God can humble me as a pastor, don't worry about that. Did I mention the fire? There's been a lot of things in the last three years that God has used to humble me. You know what? You're not submitting to me as God. You're submitting to your pastor as long as he follows the word of God. And if you can follow God through me, you'll come to a place of blessing in your life. You, you will, you will eat. well, I can't agree with that. I can't. Listen, if, if you don't have the same brain as another person, you're not going to think the same way. You're not going to make the same decisions. But you can trust from a position of humility that says, Lord, I'm trusting in you. You know what freaks me out? When my wife says something like, I'm just trusting that God's going to give you the wisdom. <laughs> thanks a lot she says good night (laughs) that's not fair you know what that means you're answering to God for this one and I will follow you well I think it should be a joint I think we should really be no 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 don't mess with God's plans you know what that does for a man for a husband it makes him sober up and say, I better mind my P's and Q's. I better watch what I'm doing. If this family is actually trusting me. Ladies, you think you're going to get more leverage over him by, by yelling at him or nagging him? You know what the best leverage ever is submission. I love you and I trust you. That's not very popular nowadays. You know, used to be father knows best. Now it's father knows nothing. But guys, we got to be careful of this. And guys, don't look back at your wife with smug satisfaction as you fold your arms and say, yep, you do what I told you, if you ain't doing what you've been told to do. See, God has a way of covering all this stuff. You know what happens if I mess up? 
I can't go anywhere in Toledo. I can't go anywhere in Ohio. I can't go anywhere for the way I was raised. I won't be able to go anywhere. That's a lot of pressure. You know what that does? It makes me sober up and say, what do you want, Lord? And stay low rather than climbing the heights. (laughs) I know who I am. I know what I can't do. Why? Because now I have an opportunity to trust in God. Okay, so I take my worry, I cast it on him, or you can have it all, and then I open up a conversation. I open up a document and say, Lord, here's what I'm thinking. Do you have a document about your worries? You could physically do this on your computer or in a journal or verbally. Lord, let's open up a dialogue about this thing. And then, but I want you to know this, God, you're in charge and I'm not. And there's a part of me that really wants to control this thing, but I'm going to humble myself. Number four, two more. Number four, it's right there in the verse. He said, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So number four is thank God for what he's doing right now in your life through this trial. Through this worry. Thank God. The peace of God is at stake. Have you thanked God for what's going through? How can I thank God for that? I don't know. Sounds supernatural to me. How's your method of getting peace working for you? Maybe you ought to try God's method. He said, don't, he's not talking to people who don't have problems. That's why he said, be careful for nothing. They have problems. You think people in this time didn't get cancer? You think they didn't have health problems? You know how short the lifespan was in Philippi? They didn't have access to medical care like we do. They weren't living to be 85, 90 years old. These people are dying at the age of 55 and 60. That's an old person. They've got problems. And he said, here's how you deal with it. You take your worries and give them all to God, start talking to him about it, and then get low and stay low. And then while you're at it, say, thank you, Lord, for this. Somebody said gratitude acts like a middle linebacker in your head, tackling negativity and worry before they can ruin your day. Thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this problem. You say it's impossible and stupid. Paul prayed three times and God said, no, I'm not taking the thorn in the flesh away. So what did he say? Wherefore, rather, I will rather glory in my infirmities. He wasn't just thanking God for it. He was praising God and and jumping up and down and saying, glory to God for this problem. You say, that's crazy. No, it's supernatural. It's how God works in the life of a believer. Number five, and lastly, make your request. You say, well, that's the same as prayer. Well, certainly prayer involves making a request, but prayer is talking with God. It's communing with him. It is asking God. But in a, in a general sense, it's dialoguing, it's communicating with him. And he makes it even more specific by saying, make your requests. Let your requests be made known. So let me ask you this. With this worry that you have, and I'm not saying it's not real, it's real. What exactly are you asking God for? What have you asked God for specifically about this problem? And if you haven't, when are you going to ask God for exactly what you want? 
So you've got to be careful that, no, no, this is not the first thing. This is the last thing. The recipe has to be followed in order. The last thing is, once you've given God your worry, I'm not going to take this, Lord. I'm not going to reserve some fear for myself. I'm giving it to you. Number two, I'm taking the problem to him. I'm saying, Lord, here's what's going on. This is, this is me talking to you. I'm not on Facebook typing about my problem. I'm actually talking to my God about my problem. Number three, God, here's what I want you to know. I'm wrong. You're right. I, whatever you say goes. I will follow what you do. If you want me to be in this problem forever, I will. Just please be near to me. Give me grace and peace. You're staying low. And then you're thanking God for it. You're thanking God for the difficulty. Thank God I have a wayward child. What? Lord, because without that wayward child, I wouldn't be concerned as much about them as I should be. Without that wayward child, Lord, I wouldn't understand your heart when I backslide. You can thank God for your problems, right? And then let your requests be made known unto God. Remember he said, let not your heart be troubled. Peace I leave with you, my peace give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He said, let your request be made known to God. Let it. Go ahead and ask him. And then be careful because this thing has a way of sneaking back in. So don't forget, when you make your request to go back and give him all your worry again. Give him all your worry. And don't forget, when you're giving him all your worry, stay low. And thank God. You can take this recipe and watch what's going to happen. This recipe, when the timer goes off, ding! Watch what happens. Verse number 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Man's peace has to be kept by man. They try to keep the peace. God's peace is not of this world. You don't have to keep it. It keeps you. The peace of God will keep your heart and your mind. So follow this recipe. You say it's not easy. Well, aren't you glad that you have the comforter who can guide you into all truth? He's inside of you. Say, Lord, I want this to be true. Lord, I want this to work. I want to have that peace Okay, well, then you better get going. And let me ask you this. I'm sorry to press the issue. We're done. When are you going to do this? When? You know what we normally do? We say, boy, that was good preaching. And we walk out and we never use what God showed us in the Word. If you're gonna, you know you're going to pick up your problems when you go out that door. While you're going with your problems out the door, say, I better take this recipe with me too. And while I'm going out the door, I'm going to throw my worry in there. And then I'm going to start talking to God as soon as I hit the, the parking lot. And then I'm going to start saying, Lord, you're right. I'm wrong. I don't know what's going on, but you're in charge. I'm going to start putting this thing right into play. And I'm going to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. I'm not going to be tempted to go to the bottle. I'm not going to be tempted to binge some substance, whether it be you know, television or whether it be booze or cigarettes or relationships or social media. I'm not going to binge on that stuff. I got a recipe right here whereby the peace of God can keep my heart where it needs to be and keep my mind. And guys, I don't know about you. That's very interesting to me because I need it and you need it too. Let's bow our heads in prayer.